Well, shit the bed and welcome everyone to a, another jam-packed edition of Conversations with Shelby Green. I'm your host, the main man, Shelby Green. And, excuse me real quick, swig of Coca-Cola out of a tumbler for the working man. I swear that damn, you can hear that tumble rumbling, man. Ever since my girlfriend got me that tumbler, man, it's been awesome. So, what do we got to talk about today? Also, I want to, so before I get out of that way, what I want to talk about, we got a lot to review. I got a couple of trailer reactions. I got some articles to read. I got a preview next week's show. I uh, am a little bit cranky this morning as I record this on Tuesday, January 24th at 1034 in the morning. I'm a little cranky this morning. Quite frankly, I'm pissed off. I'm hurt. And I'm fucking fed up with TBS and Discovery Merger. As you all know, last week I recorded on my regular episode, I did a watch-along for FTR versus the Briscoes in their double double dog-collar chain match that I said was match of the year. And that evening, or that afternoon, Jay Briscoe got killed in a car wreck. And I never, you know, and wrestling, and I will put this out here, I am a huge wrestling fan, and people can laugh about this all you want. When wrestlers die in a certain way, you feel a type of way about it. You feel a way about it because you watch these guys. Because, let's be honest, wrestling fans get made fun of. We get criticized. Why you watch that fake shit? Well, why do you watch movies? And that's the problem. That people just want to just throw wrestling away to the trash side or whatever. And I watched, um, you know, I did the watch along and I got some review and I had a buddy of mine said he really liked that idea. He wants me, he thinks I should do that more often, which I have a plan for that coming up. But I would state, I was so, I was so just lost when I heard Jay got killed. And it was like, damn, man, like I love Jay Briscoe. And and so I did a tribute show to him. And I got and I got a review on a buddy of mine listened to it and he said, Man, that's damn good you did. He he liked the fact that I did his I played his theme song for the last ninety seconds of the show. Just a little trudging tribute like goodbye, Jay, you know, you know, rest in peace. And you know, Dynamite happened Wednesday and I was thought, well, Tony's gonna do something for Jay. Maybe he'll do a tribute show for him like he did Brody Lee. And then he Tony. What I was reading was Tony tried to, and that unanimous TBS time uh, time war discovery merger uh, employee said no. Executive said no. You can't do it because of a mean tweet he said twelve years ago. So this is the same network that has had Nick Gage, a convicted felon, on there, who is brassed about how he robbed people and everything else. I love me some Mike Tyson. Let's be honest, Mike's been to prison. People change, but he's you know I'm mean, just saying if you're gonna do this. You do, a, and then the show that follows Dynamite, you have Dana White, a man who slapped his fucking wife across the face. And I'm not, I'm gonna address that real quick. Dana White is wrong, but I'm telling you, his wife is wrong for putting his hands on. They both should be prosecuted, and he should lose his. They both should be prosecuted right now. Why are they not being prosecuted, both of them? Because somebody explained it to me why that him and his wife are not in jail and handcuffs right now. First off, Dana White, I've been, I've been on the train about Dana White. Dana White doesn't pay his fucking fighters with the money they're worth or anything else. Dana White's basically just every other promoter. You know, he talks about Bob Arum and all these other guys. And Delahoya, Dana White's just like him. He don't pay his fucking guys. Why do you think Nagano walked away from their largest deal ever in UFC history? Because he wants more fucking money. He should deserve more fucking money. But that's but that's whatever. But you got a show about guys slapping the shit out of each other. That's hosted by Dana White. But a guy who says a, 12, uh, a, me, a, a mean tweet 12 years ago, and let's be honest, 
Jay was wrong for that. He's apologized countless times for that, and he has never had an incident since then. There was, you know, it, it was about about homophobic, about homophobic people, about gay people, and he is flat out said, "I apologize. I, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that." Let me tell you about what this is. What irritates me about the whole thing, and I mean this whole wholeheartedly. I'm going to pull this up real quick about a gay wrestler named Effie. Now, um, there's this gay wrestler named Effie that works for GCW. GCW fans know who he is, but he is a very he's out and open about it. You know, he does a lot of and I've seen him a couple of times at a couple of GCW shows. You know, he's okay as a wrestler, but whatever. But he he I'm trying to find this damn I'm trying to find this tweet. I'm trying to find this tweet, but I can't find it. But he basically came to the conclusion that people told him Jay Briscoe would not even care about him. Or anything else, and this whole other ideal, and blah 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 blah. He would treat him like shit. And Jay, he said Jay Briscoe was kind, he was loving, he was respectful, he was helpful, and everything else. Because Jay admitted he was wrong. He and he changed. You know, people change. But God forbid you put him on TV. You know, if TBS were really smart about this whole thing, they put the Briscoes on fucking TV. They probably get more fucking ratings every week. They probably get an extra two or three hundred thousand people to fucking watch him. It's to the fucking point, man. That pissed me off so fucking bad that I'm to the point where I'm not gonna watch if outside Dynamite and Dynamite and uh, Rampage and the NBA NBA on TNT. I won't watch anything on time on the Discovery Merge unless I know about it. They're, they fucked up HBO Max. I mean HBO Max. They had fucking put that fucking app to shit. That app was the number one app coming out for streaming services, and they keep taking shit off, putting shit back on. They uh, everything else. I mean that fucking app. They have, that fucking app has gone. They've ruined fucking HBO. Time one. The, this discovery merger has fucking near, damn near ruined HBO. I mean, I watched The Last of Us last night and got to work, but thank God because it was glitching like a son of a bitch the first episode week. And then, but you know, they do all this bullshit. Then they put a fucking shitty ass Velma show out that nobody fucking asked for for Scooby uh, Scooby Doo. Retcon everything makes makes fun of people and just it's just a stupid fucking show. It, it's not even necessary. The show is trash. But for God forbid we put a guy on there who fucking could draw some money and make some money, who are real as can be, and he gets killed in a car wreck taking his fucking daughters to cheerleading practice. Gets killed. His two little girls had to be airlifted to the fucking hospital to get worked on. But God forbid he said a mean tweet 12 years ago that he's apologized and we've had no record of him saying anything like that ever again. He had countless wrestlers supporting him and everything else and doing tributes to him. How does that work again? And I mean this to whoever that you not that unanimous executive is. How do you sleep at night knowing this? I guarantee if Jay Briscoe didn't get killed in that fucking car wreck, your ass would not show up to Dynamite that Wednesday and stop Tony for doing the tribute show. I guarantee it. Because that's what it all is. I'll be honest. And why has nobody wrote... And I'm asking myself this question. Why has nobody wrote... That the the merger wrote the people that merger and said why is Jay why do you not allow Jay Briscoe on television why why is nobody 
Cornet, Jim Cornet, I'm telling you right now, yes, I am a Cornet. I am a the cult. I am part of the cult of Cornet. I'll say that right right now. And I don't agree with everything he fucking says, but he said something. And I'm gonna pull this fucking thing up. I'm gonna uh, he and uh, I'm gonna try and pull it up and find it real quick. I'm gonna pull this up because Cornet man says a lot of things that I don't agree with. But what he said right here and right now about this, this is fucking absolutely true to the bulb this was just this was true to his core what he said and I'm going to try and find this just real quick but I remember the exact words I'm going to pull it up on YouTube real quick as a matter of fact I'm just going to search through it real quick I should I know I should have done this better but I'm going to do it right now because I want to pull this up for everybody to hear this it was towards the end of the episode. I'm going to turn this down. Go ahead and play this. Uh, obviously, advertisement's going right now. I mean, Adam Cole's speech. On, uh, well, they, now, they, Tony did do a um, a show that will air on the Honor Club that will that will help out with um, for Jay. But at the same time, it's like, whatever, man. Here we go, guys. I'm going to play this right here. I believe this is it right here, guys. So just work with me here. It was I'll, a man who just slapped his wife hosting well, a show with people slapping each other. Yes. And did and did you see did you see also that it's being stated that they they taped after Dynamite last which is last night which is the Thursday morning as we record this. But after Dynamite last night they taped a tribute to Jay Briscoe that will air on the Ring of Honor Honor Club and and kudos to Tony for doing that. But the reporting was also accompanied by that they were not allowed to make the Dynamite show a tribute to Jay Briscoe like they had done to Brody Lee by the same unnamed TBS or Warner Brothers Discovery executive. Did you see that? I did see that. And, you know, I'm going to, we're just two friends talking here, letting people listen. I'm not proud of this, but I did have the thought. Tuesday night, that executive, if that decision hadn't been made, who knows if he would have been there? Yep. Who knows if he would have flown out that night yep. to go to Dynamite? Yep. And I, I regret, uh, you know, I'm saying that. Yeah, I know, but I know what you mean, Brian. I get it. it. I get it. me up a little bit thinking about all that. And I want to talk about the tweet, but let me mention this. The wrestler Effie, who. Was this is the tweet I was talking about, guys. Over the top stuff. He's openly gay and. His character, obviously, is also openly gay and does some explicit sexual stuff at times that's not for our taste. <laughs> but here's what he tweeted out. Jay Briscoe showed me respect and love when everyone told me he wouldn't. If you knew Jay, you knew he would uplift everyone in that locker room regardless of whatever world they came to wrestling from. The best. Rest easy, brother. Hmm. And I think... It's important to anyone still holding on to anything from that tweet. It was regrettable. It was ignorant. And there's no signs of anything after that point that shows that this was a hateful guy. And And like I said, the the thing with the executive has been bothering me just because, you know, I hate I've been thinking a lot about it and I have. And, uh. But anyway, back to you. Well, and but we talked about it when we, as you said, we talked about the tweet earlier in a previous show, besides the fact that he apologized for it, 
over and over and you can see the type of person he is and that everybody felt he was it hit at that point and I'm not going to go on a soapbox about this but he's one of the comments he made was he said I was crusading for the Lord back then (laughs) indoctrination of religious beliefs can damage people's perceptions in some cases that's all I'll say and it was also hitting him with his kids because the whole gay marriage thing was at the crux of it because that was being discussed and what does Jay care more about than anything else in life his kids and he doesn't want anything bad to happen to his kids that are told to him will happen by the fucking authority figures or whatever the fuck that he was listening to on the news so past all that I've got to admit now I rescind same here Jimmy everything I said about well is this really an unnamed Warner Brothers executive or is this jealousy on the part of some of the EVPs but not even they in this situation could be that fucking asshole-ish of assholes that, that, you know, before I do, oh, maybe it's jealousy, but no, now they would certainly not in this situation stand in the way of anything. So this legitimately has to be that some unnamed piece of shit who I would love to get the name of. And I promise yep, you, if same here. his name, I'll tell a million people real fucking quick. Please do, Jimmy. I promise you that. But whoever this fucking guy is that has never said anything or girl, wrong. You don't know. Or girl, I'm sorry. Yep, don't want to piss executive nobody off of that. or executive tress that has never said anything bad or done anything wrong or said anything regrettable in public or it is perfect in every way who works for a network that has never had a convicted felon on the wrestling program, Nick Gage, who has never had a convicted felon, not only a bank robber, now a rapist, Mike Tyson, passed the wrestling program. If we're doing criminal background checks on everybody, let's go to the rest of the programming you just mentioned. Yep. The network that doesn't air a television program from documented wife slapper Dana White about a bunch of mouth-breathing, knuckle-dragging fucking meatheads slapping a piss out of each other over and over until one of them gets brain damage and the other one wins less cash prizes than I get selling comic books in a month. They don't do that. I don't even watch any of the rest of these goddamn shitty programs that TBS and TNT broadcast these days, or I'm sure I could find some things wrong with people on them too so how fucking cretinous of a goddamn inhuman piece of shit slime from the puddle of ooze of the fucking pits of hell do you have to be unnamed woman or man that would not even let them show highlights and tributes to a guy who got killed taking his kids to cheerleading practice Mm. because of a mean fucking tweet. Fuck you. I goddamn double dog dare somebody in the sound of my voice or the fucking reach of this show 
to find out that name, and I promise you, I will broadcast it to the goddamn world along with any contact info that I can find out, and I would love the motherfucker to sue me. But in the meantime, why don't everybody write TBS and TNT and go, hey, fuck you. What kind of fucking pricks you employing over there now that I think about it? But anyway, yeah, that's... That is what Cornette said, and I am 100% behind him. I will make this clear. Cornette is not a real big fan of conservative and Republicans, and he went that way with the whole religion thing. Outside of that, and I'm not conservative. I'm just saying like I don't get political or anything like that, and he's also an atheist. That's why I mentioned the religion part. But at the same time, I agree 100% with Corny saying, and I stand behind that. And i be honest with you, I'm probably going to write something to TBS and, t- and, and tell them, you know, very kindly that this is bullshit, that you did this, and how can you have this? Just saying, if you're going to do this, you need to do this for everybody else, because it ain't fair. People make mistakes. That was over a decade ago. You realize the Bristol's lost a, a WWE developmental deal over that? A WWE developmental deal. Think about that. That could have changed their lives. And they and they were well. First off, they probably were, they they didn't get that, and that's what happens. And they've been blocked by other companies and all this other shit. It's a damn shame, because. And I just paused for a minute because I just thought of something. I just realized something. I, I'm just I'm just fed up with that this whole cancel culture bullshit. Where, oh, we can't have them on because he said something that might offend somebody. It's just like, what the fuck? You got a guy that slapped his fucking wife producing a fucking television show. And like Cornette said, I've said my said, I'm a Mike Tyson fan, but let's be honest, Mike Tyson did to go to fucking prison, guys. And I'm sure Mike's done shit. Nick Gage is a fucking convicted bank robber who, who has done stupid shit, but you know, they put him on TV. I mean, it's, it's, I don't understand this. Can somebody explain that logic to me? Well, it happened before the merger. Don't matter. It's the same fucking network they're on, guys. So I'm going to end it with that. I'm with Corny. If anybody knows how to, I'm I'm really going to write them and tell them how I fucking feel. Now, I'm not going to go that far and cuss them out and threaten them and everything else. I'm just going to tell them it's bullshit and everything else. Because let me tell you something. Cornette can afford to get sued. I can't. (laughs) Let's be honest. But it is what it is, man. I, I just, it's bullshit. And I'm going to end it with the whole thing on Jay Briscoe. Once again, condolences to him and his family. Uh, it's a sad situation. In the day, not even a press arrest. We're just in Daryl. Well, did you know, guys, that the school systems and every the work shut down for the day or the week, the rest of the week, for, because of Jay's passing? Because he was such a big deal because he worked in the community. He coached his son's basketball team. I mean, there's a video of him helping his daughter with her cheerleading recital. Jay Briscoe was all about I mean, for God's sakes, him, his dad, his brother, his uncles, they all lived on the same compound. They've got this big property they live on. They all live there. It's That's how they are, man. So, yeah. And I want to make this clear. My Pro Wrestling Awards show, I'm going I'm to state this. I made a mistake on two awards. For tag team of the year and most improved, I made a mistake. Most improved, I gave to Jay Cargill, and she hasn't improved, but I forgot about Mandy Rose. And I made a mistake, so I'm going to go with Mandy Rose. I'm going to change that right now and give, it back, give that award to Mandy Rose. I'm rescinded it. 
And finally, Tag Team of the Year. I went with the Usos because it's the top draw. And I didn't go with FTR. I kept thinking to myself, the Briscoes' run of 2022 was more talked about pure wrestling fans around. There was more buzz around their tag team, around their run, than anything else. So, yeah, I'm going to take it back from the Usos and give it to the Briscoes. And this isn't just because of passing, but you reflect on things and people make mistakes. So, yeah. So, enough of that. We're going to end the show with talking a little raw with a little Monday Night Raw review, and we're going to preview the Royal Rumble, and we're going to announce who I got to have on the show next week. Let's talk a little NFL playoffs real quick before I get into it. So let's talk about the NFL playoffs. And playing simple, guys, good weekend again for Digital Vision Round. All games are pretty damn good, to be honest with you, for the most part. Um, I'll pull up the scores here just to make sure I get everything right. So I want to talk about the, the Jaguars and the Chiefs first. And I will let you know, I, this whole, can we stop with this notion that Pat Mahomes ain't the best quarterback in the NFL? Can we stop? Who The media is trying to spin this narrative that Joe Burrow, Josh Allen are better than, than Pat Mahomes. Nah. Nah, I'm just going to end it like that. Chiefs win the game. I thought they would. Jacksonville kept it close, played well. Pat Mahomes played on a bad ankle. He didn't play well. By the way, why do teams play zone coverage against Pat Mahomes? You know he averages almost between nine, it's somewhere between eight, like almost nine yards a cat a throw. It's eight or nine yards a uh, throw in zone covers because it can pick you apart. Like I don't understand that. Like I don't get that. But besides that, I think Kansas City. You know another game, another another AFC Championship game in Arrowhead, man. That place is gonna be rocking next Sunday. Jacksonville, they're young, they're bright, they got a lot of future. Trevor Lawrence, I'm a big fan of. Annette, Travis and E.T., he's, I'm a big fan of. I like Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk. They got a good core group of talent. I think Jacksonville's going to run the AFC South for a long, for the next three to four years because the Houston Texans are rebuilding. They're a shitty-ass organization. The Titans with Mike Vrabel, they're going to be rebuilding from somewhat because Vrabel's going Vrabel's to break things down, bring guys in he wants because, let's be honest with you, ever since they, they lose an A.J. Brown, that was the writing on the wall for that general manager. And the Indianapolis Colts, they have no foundation, no nothing. There's nothing there for Indianapolis. What are they going to do? You know, you and the reason why I'm talking more about the Colts is because I live here in Indy, and I'm just like, there's nothing here. There's no culture. There's no foundation. There's no nothing there. And I'll be honest with you, the rumors are they're going to draft Will Levis. They bet if C.J. Stroud is there at the fourth pick, you better draft C.J. Stroud, plain and simple. Eagles and the Giants. I thought the Giants would play well. I didn't expect – I thought the Giants would at least – if they were going to lose, they would lose by between 7 and 15 points, I thought. And they got their ass kicked. Lost by 31, 37, 38-7. Eagles just showed they have more firepower on offense, and the Giants just need more. You know, Saquon's about to be a free agent. Are they going to pay him? Daniel Jones, they didn't pick up his option. He's going to be a free agent. Are they going to pay him? Um, they do have some talent, but they they played well. Their defense gave. I mean, their defense wasn't bad all year. It's just they got they got exposed against the Eagles. I mean, Eagles just much. So yeah, Eagles win. Bengals and Bills. Hashtag fuck the Bengals. But I'm kind of happy they beat Buffalo because I want Kansas City to kick their ass next week. So you know I'm root for. I'm I'm doing the the chop right now as I speak. I'm going with the Chiefs over the Bengals. This whole rumor about you know Josh the, the Buffalo Bills. What are they going to? What they need to do offseason? Here's what you need to do. You need to call Arizona up and see how much what what do you need to get for De- DeAndre Hopkins because you need that. You need to get DeAndre Hopkins. 
You need to get him because Stephon Diggs is getting doubled, and I like Davis and Knox, but they need more. You need to get another receiver beside him. And secondly, and I know this, Josh Allen is let is leading your team in rushing. You need to go get a running back. There are some running backs in this free agency class. If you have the money, go get you one. Kareem Hunt will be available. Maybe you can work a deal out and get Josh Jacobs to come in. Maybe you can get somebody, but you got to get somebody because if, if you're going to be in a situation where Josh, um, Josh Allen's going to get hurt, and then you're going to have a quarterback. Now you're in trouble. The Bengals is what it is. Fuck them. Sorry, I don't, I don't care about the Bengals. I don't give a shit. I'm a Steelers fan, and that I can talk about the Ravens and the Browns because I, you know, I have respect for the Ravens, even though if I don't like them, I respect them. Cleveland, they always play us tough. It's our oldest rival, so you have to respect them, even though I don't like them. Bengals, I just don't fucking like. It ain't the team; it's the fucking fans. They're the most disgusting fans in the NFL. They throw piss, cups of piss at each other on, on teams and shit, and, and player and other people. It's just typical Cincinnati, Ohio, Bengal fans, plain and simple. And a lot of Bengal fans are fucking Kentucky fans, so that's another reason why I don't like them. And I like the people of Cincinnati, by the way. I like the Reds, and Skyline Chili is okay. But, you know, uh, there's things about it. Papa Do's is pretty good, too. But this is the game I want to talk about, the, the 49ers and the Cowboys. And this is why I want to talk about this. That 49ers defense is pretty damn good. Brock Purdy, I don't know if it's the system. I don't know what it is. But he he looks like their starting quarterback. And how many times have I had to sit there and tell you this? Can we stop with the Kyle Shanahan knock? I know he was part of the reason why Atlanta blew the lead against the Patriots and they lost the lead against the 49ers, um, against the Chiefs. The Falcons against the Patriots in the Super Bowl when he's offensive coordinator. But let's be look, look, look. What is this? Three NFC championship games he's been to? And he's got a third string quarterback, technically. I mean, what else do you what else do you need? What else what else does he need to be? I mean, he's getting he's making it work. He's making this shit work, man. That's impressive. And here's another thing, and I wanna I wanna get and here's another thing with this. That defense is not – they're going to give Philly a war because I tell you right now, they're going to, that game's in Philadelphia, but I think the 49ers will beat the Eagles. I think the 49ers are going to beat the Eagles. I really believe it. So about the Cowboys. Cowboys defense ain't been the problem all year. It's been Dak Prescott. It's been Dak. Dak is – he played five games less than any other starting quarter. He played – he lists five games this year. He still led the league in interceptions. Oh, he's got – another thing. You know, looking hindsight, Cowboys lost Amari Cooper. I remember uh, Shannon Sharp was telling Skip Bayless, you're going to miss Amar, and he says, no, we'll be all right, Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup didn't catch one ball the other day in that game. C.D. Lamb, now C.D. played like a number one. He showed up. He had a great year. I mean, C.D. Lamb, C.D. Lamb's a damn good receiver. But let's be 100 about this. Tony Powell's your best running back. He gets hurt. Zeke has not been the same since he got his money. Zeke Elliott has not been the same since he got his money. Cow and another thing, you're talking about fire Mark McCarthy. The guy's won back to back twelve win seasons. Like, how do you fire the guy? It, the problem is, it's not Mike McCarthy. The and, and the problem is, man, you don't have another receiver. You need another receiver. You shouldn't got rid of Mari Cooper last year. You should not have let him go. Mar, Mar, if you had a Mari Cooper yesterday, you probably you probably have a better. You probably have a chance to win this game. Because you instead of doubling down CD and throwing those two picks, you could have maybe spread the ball out with Amari. I don't know, man. 
It just, it just, Cowboy fans are, fans are so frustrated because we're America's team. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, like, what have you done? You ain't done nothing since 1995. It's been almost 30 years. The problem is, isn't this, Jerry Jones has too much control. He needs, Jerry Jones loves the spotlight so much. Jerry Jones is the guy that, well, we are America's team and we're going to make sure we do this right and everything. No, it don't, no. Somebody, need, Jerry Jones needs to hire a guy. That has a football savvy background. You need to get a guy in there that knows what the fuck he's doing and make him your general manager and say, Jerry, just take care of the business operations and things. Stay out of it. That's what the problem is with the Cowboys. That's the issue with the Dallas Cowboys. I like Dak Prescott. I think he, I, you know, he's he, he's tough. Let's be honest. Being the quarter, starting quarterback for a franchise like the Cowboys, it's hard. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. But Dak's shown signs. You know, people want to praise Dak for being a, a crappy-ass Tampa Bay team with a shitty-ass defense. They want to praise that whole thing, but God forbid, now look at him, they're on his ass. The media switches the narrative so much, they just roll with the punches. That's why ESPN and Fox, I try not to watch them so much because sometimes I'm like, wait a minute, you were just praising this damn fool last week. Now you're fucking jump off the bandwagon? How does that make sense? Please tell me how that makes sense. Stay consistent. Like, I like Marcellus Wiley. He stay, like Marcellus Wiley is one of my favorite people to watch because he, he stays consistent. He doesn't switch shit up. He'll backtrack and say, wait a minute now. You know, we seen what he did three weeks ago. He's starting to fall off a little bit, you know. But God forbid, Jesus, man. Colin Cowherd is one of those people. Nick Wright's one of those folks. Jason Whitlock, who I cannot fucking stand. Whitlock's a phony piece of shit. We all know that. ESPN, you know, you got Dan Orlowski, a backup quarterback who's your lead, one of your lead analysts on the NFL. I mean, my God, we used to have Tom Jackson and Chris Carter and guys like that on ESPN. Now we got Dan Orlowski. That's a problem right there in itself. I mean, then you turn around, you get, um, God, what's his face? Um, you know, I like Marcus Spears and Damian Woody. I think they do a good job, but I see more Spears than Woody, and I think it should be opposite. Not a knock against Woody, uh, not a knock against, uh, against Spears. I'm just saying I like Woody's takes more. Like, I don't get that one. And they got Bart Scott. That, that, let me tell you something about Bart, about Bart, uh, Bart Scott. Bart Scott. That's the same guy that blamed T. Higgins for the reason why um, why uh, Ham, Dom, or Hamlin had, had the cardiac arrest episode. I mean, that talk about a guy just want to make it about defense versus offense. That's bullshit. Why? That's bullshit. You know, we talk about Skip Bayless's tweet. That bullshit should be brought to front and center, too. Straight up. Just saying. I mean, I know the network's got to have personalities, got to have something like that. But can, why can't these networks get guys that have good credential backgrounds? Like go get a a guy that started was a starting quarterback like like for example like I like Ryan Clark Ryan Clark was a starting safety in the NFL I think he was a I mean he may have made a Pro Bowl or two I may believe but he was a he was an anchor on that Pittsburgh defense he had a good career and he's got a good podcast too but you look at the, the some of these guys that got on there you're like what the fuck you, you know like Rex Ryan people talk shit about Rex Ryan Rex Ryan won with Mark Sanchez, won games and went to a couple AFC championship games with Mark Sanchez as a starting quarterback. And Bart Scott was on his defense. I'm not taking anything away from Scott as a player. I'm just saying, why can't we get more analysts, like more guys in there? That, not these guys that had were in the league for a fucking cup of coffee or was a journeyman. Like, get guys in there that are all pro caliber players. 
You look at the unit like Fox NFL. You got Strahan, Howie Long, Bradshaw, Jimmy Johnson. Like that's the core guy. Like guys like that. You know, people talk shit about. I'm not. I'm gonna flip the script on basketball. Look at TNT. Barkley, Shaq, Hall of Famers, top 75 players, and Kenny Smith, one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time. How do you get better than that? Just say it, man. But anyway, so here's the championship reveals. I'm taking the Chiefs at home against the Bengals, and I'm going to take the 49ers to go up the field and get a win. That's what I'm going with. And we're going to have the Chiefs and the 49ers in the Super Bowl, and I'm going to have my buddy Brandon McKee on the show next week. We're going to talk about the Royal Rumble, but we're going to give a Super Bowl preview of what he thinks. And I'm going to ask him some questions about the Colts as well, what he thinks about that as well. Let me take a drink of my Coke real quick. Okay, now we got to talk a little bit about – there's some. We got a couple things to watch and talk about. What I'm gonna do, but so Friday Thirteenth fans, I got two things to do today. We got a the Never Hike Alone fan film. Obviously, um, we have a new snippet, little preview of the movie that got dropped, and now we have. A update. Obviously, we know I've done talked about before a nauseum, a nauseum, excuse me, of we're going to get a Crystal Lake TV series on Peacock. And now, bloodydisgusting.com, wait for the article to pull up. It, Sean Cunningham developing Friday the 13th reboot. Oh, sorry, some advertisement popped up. Woof, woof pack. What the hell is this shit? I don't care about this. I don't care about that. Okay, excuse me. Sean Cunningham developing Friday 13th reboot, House reboot, and The Night Driver. Okay, so let's read this. I'm going to read this article. Blade Discussions uncovered a big-time scoop to finish off the week. Learned that Scott, uh, excuse me, Sean S. Cunningham, Friday 13th, is not only working to get his own Friday 13th reboot off the ground, he is also developing a reboot to a, of a horror movie that he produced back in 1985, House. I have not seen House in years, but I need to watch that. In addition, Cunningham is producing an original film titled *The Night Driver*, working along with uh, working alongside writers Jeff Locker and director Jamie Weiss, Jeremy Weiss, on various upcoming projects. Of course, catch with all the Friday Thirteen things that the franchise has, was up up recently mirrored in legal issues with the original screenwriter Victor Miller. Now joined forces with Brian Fuller, Hannibal, who was done. They got Hannibal quotations article who wrote Hannibal, good series, in A24 on a franchise prequel series for Peacock. The that project is titled Crystal Lake, and Jeff Locker explains how to separate a separate project could end up working. Locker explains Sean hired me to rewrite to rewrite on the Night Driver, and after working closely with director Jeremy Weiss and him on that, we naturally got talking about Friday the Thirteenth and House. Jeremy and I pitched a dream reboot of Friday the Thirteenth with Sean blessing keeping developing with him. Locker continues. Obviously, the prequel television series has reunited interest about a new film, so we're hoping that surrounding excitement will inspire both sides to come together and give us Jason on the big screen again for the first time in 14 years. But we also have a Plan B sequel for the original thing. Original, we think fans would absolutely love and should avoid any legal entanglements. As for the house reboot, uh, Locker explains keep the reimagined the 1985 movie. There is an upcoming video game concept. Okay. The house reboot has been is as both an update and reimagine of the classic series sitting around the birth of the haunted house of a haunted house. Locker explains a lot of great scares, how the screen lasts. Plus, we bring a few of your favorite monsters from the original for some really fun but equally terrifying films. I am working as a script as we speak. All I can say is I'm having a fucking blast. He adds. 
So in other words, and I'm gonna finish talking about the Night Driver thing because this is interesting. And then there's Night Driver original project that Jeremy Weiss will be directing. Chad and Weiss, we are able to uncover a bit. We were we are able to uncover a bit about the upcoming movie as well. Night Driver is a film about everyday salesman who regularly drives across the count the country selling pharmaceuticals. Jeremy Weiss teases to Blade, Blade, discussing one night on the back road he encounters a madman who seems to be following him, leaving a trail of bodies in his wake. As all he wants to do is make and make it home alive to his family at any cost. And by the time it's over, he realizes either he escapes the terror or it followed, or it's or it's followed him home. West continues the movie has taken a true label of love and has taken a dozens taken about a dozen years to get years to get to this point where we're starting to make moves move things quickly. Excuse me. One of the things that originally it attracted me to the project is that it's a horror film that has similar similar sensibilities. To some of the best genres I grew up watching, loving, including Friday the 13th. To Sean Cunningham to return to producer's chair for this project feels like a dream to come true. I have films, posters on my wall, so there, so to be here for so many years, later producing is a surreal experience. So I will state this. Night Driver sounds like a classic 80s slasher or 70s slasher. I'm interested to see how that works. The house reboot, I'm fine with that. I haven't seen House in God knows how many years, so I would probably have to watch that film again and get myself re- readjusted. The thing just to get myself back in. Now, about um, this Friday Thirteenth fiasco. Here's my thing. Maybe I'm being a party pooper. Maybe I'm being somebody that just I don't know is losing faith. It's been 14 years since we got a Friday the 13th film on the screen. Arguably, if not number two, top three horror franchises, oh, excuse me, slasher franchises, and one of the more premier franchises in cinema. And people love Friday the 13th. They love Jason Voorhees. Why, God knows why, are we not gotten a Friday 13 film over this legal shit is ridiculous. Before legal shit. I, I'm one of the few people on this planet that loves that remake. And I wanted more of that, Jason. And here's another thing. They're saying the legal... I read that article, reading that article thinking about it right now. They have a plan B in case you can't use Jason because the whole Victor Miller thing. Here's the thing. If they use... If they could use that, that would be fine. That would be perfectly fine. But here's the thing. If you're going to do, the TV series is going to come out, here's what you need to do. Whoever comes out first, give yourself a year before you release the other project, that person. Because all it's going to do is conflict and confuse fans. Not fans like me, but fans who don't know what's going on. And get confused and mixed up. Then you go, and now you're gonna get people to come out and say it was get mixed or bad reviews on. Now you only not gonna have shit for 20 years. That's the problem. Now, if he has a plan B, I'm fine with that. But let's just be be cautious about the whole thing. The whole Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham. I've been on the record, fuck them both, because this is ridiculous. The fact that we've had to wait so long. For a damn reboot over things. You shut down a video game that people played and were excited for more and more updates because of it. Because of your, your um, what's the word I'm looking for? Because of uh, money issues. Well, you can't use this because you can't use it. Whatever. 
and I'm be honest with you, I'm not very fond of Sean Cunningham as a director because or the producer because let's be honest, the first Friday Thirteenth, it don't age well at all. I know people love that film and I'm I like it. I'm just saying, go back and watch it. It's very boring. It's doesn't age well in certain things. Outside of Betsy Palmer's reveal and the first opening of that movie and some of, and a couple of the kills, Alice, uh, who's the final girl, or whatever, she's not that very very memorable. I know they did announce that she's returning to the the series, and I understand how that's going. I don't understand what they're going. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'm just tired of the bullshit. We've gotten Leatherface films. We've gotten a Hellraiser reboot. We got the Halloween trilogy from Blumhouse. We're getting an Exorcist sequel. We've gotten, uh, you know, a new Evil Dead movie. Chucky's got a fucking TV series. I mean, Jeepers Creepers fucking got a goddamn reboot that I want to forget about. Ugh, that movie was so bad. But Friday Thirteenth and another one, Nightmare on Elm Street, are in a lump, are in like like they're not even like they're like locked away. Friday Thirteenth, I understand. I mean, Friday Thirteenth got the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe it's got something to do with casting the right guy because Robert England is almost, I think he's in his eighties. So getting him, the, getting a guy to play Freddy Krueger is probably a problem. But Friday Thirteenth is just drama. The drama with Friday Thirteenth is ridiculous to the point I'm just like, why? This this shouldn't go like this. This should not happen. What the fuck is going on? I'm, uh, yeah, man, put my hat back on. I'm just fed up with the fucking drama and the bullshit. Give fans what they want. I got a Halloween trilogy, and I'm happy with that. I got a, I got a Letterface film on Netflix. I got the, the, you know, 2022 was one of the best years in recent memory for horror films. From top to bottom, flat out. But, of course, the fucking films we want more than anything... Nightmare on Elm Street we haven't heard about, peep about, and Friday the 13th we ain't heard shit. We've, they've been locked in limbo over legal drama. Oh, good God. Anyway, so, we got some stuff to watch. So, never hike alone, ladies and gentlemen, and we're on high, while we are on the Halloween thing. Never Hike Alone had a is a Friday Thirteenth fan film by Womp Stomp Films. I've read the article before, and they gave us a little sneak peek, a little five minute sneak special sneak peek. They have got, and these films basically are canon to the Friday Thirteenth franchise in a way because they've got, and if you think about this, they've got the film, the Never Hike Alone movie that came out five years ago, which is. One of the best horror fan films you will find. And they've got the Never Hike Alone in the Snow film that came out. The sequel. So, I'm going to play this preview for you guys. Let me turn this down just in case. Ah, so once again, no advertisement. So, here we go, guys. A little sneak pre- preview for you. Never Hike Alone 2, a Friday, fir- Friday the 13th fan film.
I tell you about coming out here alone? I just wanted to go fishing. Okay, but it's not safe for you to be out here by yourself. I know. I'm sorry. Okay. Just, uh, you know, let me know next time. Okay? Okay. I promise. Okay, good. Is it because of Jason? Where did you hear that name? The kids at school. They said he drowned in the lake and that he's still down there waiting. Waiting for what? To pull me down with him.
so going back to look at this, so I'm very excited about this. A very, um, very, uh, oof. Yeah, I'm just very, very excited that we're going to get this because, like I said, it's been a while since for a Friday 13th film. But this dropped on January 13th of 2023 on Friday 13th. And then we're going to, they announced the release date will be on October 13th, Friday 13th this year. So keep an eyes open for that. Please go on YouTube. You can see it's a 5 minute and 11 video. And just little things, the way it's shot and everything else of this. Jason looks incredible. Tommy from part six is back in this again. He looks like he's got a little boy, you know, in the it has a little dream sequence, a little conversation with him and Jason as he wakes up. So I like where we're going with this. I am very excited for this. And once again, now for the big the big Mac Daddy for the day. The big review. And As I post a thing to my Facebook real quick. And I have not seen the new Scream trailer. I waited for this. So you're going to get me. I was silent on that review. On that, that little trailer reaction for you. But I have not seen this. I have not watched this till now. So guys you're going to get my full reactions. I'm watching this. going to pause it. And here we rock and roll. Scream 6, official trailer. New York City. Ooh. Nice ghost face mask. Ooh, a little slash and dash. Oh, shotgun. Oh, nice. Ghostface is using a fucking shotgun. Hell yeah! The pacing. Nice. Oh, grass cackling. I had this secret. There's a darkness inside of me. Your daddy. It followed me here. Your daddy. And it's gonna keep coming for us. We share a certain history. Oh, Kirby's back. Yes! This isn't like any other ghost face. What is this place? A shrine. What the fuck? Wow. Execute him. Hello? Game. You know you're like the tenth guy to try this, right? Uh. It never works out for the dipshit in the mask. Oh. Maybe. But there's never been one like me, Gail. Ooh. I'm something different. Ooh. That's why I'm gonna shoot you in the head. Me. So let's finish this. Guys? Okay. 
Wow, okay. So, take my fucking money. Lord have mercy, that looks amazing. Um, seen a lot of things in the trailer that I like. They didn't show too much, they showed just enough. That's a plus. Um, seen some snippets and some screenshots going around, but I, I'm not going to talk about them, but... There are some looks of characters that I see that, you know, who's the killer? We don't know. Courtney Cox looks like she may be on her way out. No Nev Campbell, so no Sydney, obviously. We know about that. Overall, though, guys, this is probably the most, this is, this is all, this looks good. I can't wait to see what they're going to do because I was a big fan. I like, Scream is that one franchise. Them and Evil Dead have two things in common. Well, the one, uh, uh, one thing they have in common in their film filmography, they don't have any bad slash. None of the movies are bad. Scream 3 is probably the worst of the franchise, and considered for slashers, that's really not that bad of a movie. So, overall, guys, I am really, really excited for this. To the point I'm going like, hell yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, like I can't wait, man. I'm going to send this to Brandy and let her watch it, because I originally, she had to work today. Because I was going to have her watch it. Because she hadn't seen the trailer yet. And I was going to have her watch it. Think what she thought of, of it. So this is awesome. Just man oh man. I am whew, to the moon on this one. Man oh man. So we're going to do one last thing today guys. And we're going to review. I'm going to give you my review on. Raw Stardy of Anniversary. Actually Raw is XXX. Not very. Not very. Um thingy so raw kicks off sold out in the wells fargo center in philadelphia they kick off with hulk hogan and uh jimmy hart coming out jimmy hart ever since 1993 he's been attached to hogan's hip i have no idea why but i figured that but hogan comes out gets a little nice little pop his microphone ain't working he gives a shout out what you gonna do when WWE raw 30 runs wild on you in the philadelphia eagles home cheap pop then you get the end rate. Then they open the show up with a cool ass video package of raw memories, and I'm sitting there going like, Jesus, I've been I've been alive for 29 years, and it's like I've seen a lot of this, the majority of raw memories as, as a kid. So raw in ring same with the bloodline, and the bloodline comes out, big ovation. Roman comes out, he does a thing, blah 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 blah, everything. So, and of course, you know, the, the crowd's chanting, you know, Sammy Uso and the, Paul Heyman. Roman gives a, you know, Philadelphia acknowledge me. He hands the microphone to Heyman. Of course, you're in Philly. You're going to get some ECW chants. And Heyman does his little thing. And he opens it up saying, I know those three letters are near and dear to my heart, but ECW is dead. And just, and he also wishes that Sammy Zayn was as well. So it's like, Jesus. He accuses Zane of being a head of conspiracy with Kevin Owens from day one. He shows video evidence about, you know, the four exhibits of Zane, all this other shit. And he says Zane is guilty as charged, blah, 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 blah. Zane then gets up, and this is what I like about Sami Zayn. He gets up and he he goes, I came out here and I had all the defense line in my head. And he's damn near got tears in his eyes. He's getting like emotional. He goes, he goes. He says he didn't. What he said he didn't count on was how was he going to feel with Heyman hitting those zingers at him. I mean, Heyman was saying some. He called him a a, 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 
an un, uh, unfortunate, I think he said, uh, 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 he called him some type of bastard or something like that. I mean, it was brutal. And listen, and he goes, after all the times, hugging, hey, hugged him and told me he loved me and it hurts. Well, Paul Heyman's done it to a lot of people. And you go, <laughs> I mean, just saying. And the people see it. The crowd pops on that one. They've been seeing it for the last nine months. I don't know about the nine months. I think it started back in the summer of June or July. So I don't think the, the math's a little off there, Sammy, but I get what you're sewing with. And he goes, my defense is no defense. And he throws the fucking microphone on the table and sits down. And Roman gets pissed. And he gets up and says, are you kidding me? I let you know my family, blah, 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 blah. And he yells, solo. And Heyman goes, oh, my God. So Heyman covers his mouth. Solo walks over with the spike. He's going to hit him. He hits him. And Jey Uso gets up and stops him. And everybody is shocked. Like, even the crowd, like, what the hell? And Jay grabs the microphone. There's no disrespect, child of a chief, but I, because I, I, we ain't doing this. And he pulls up a video package of Sammy showing exhibits of all he's done. And Zane turns and he's getting teary eyed watching it. Jay gets said, he goes, Sammy's taking bullet after bullet for us in the family. And he said, he goes, I didn't like his ass or whatever, blah, 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 but I saw him. He shows loyalty. Jay says, Jay said, he's a brother. I love him. He says, he's standing blood like, and Jimmy. Throws the, the ones up in the sky. He says, tells everybody in the arena, throw them ones up. You want them to stay in the bloodline. The whole crowd does it. Even me at home, I did it because I'm I love what they're doing with this. And then, you know, Jimmy, his brother, uh, Jimmy Uso stands up and does a thing. And then Rain says he finds him not guilty for now. And he, he goes, Jay bought you more time. He says, I don't want to see you. I don't want to see you until after tonight. I don't see you till the Rumble. And he said, the Rumble. Will be your final test and prove something tonight that tells me. And the crowd leaves. So now we found the first hour of Raw tonight's gonna be commercial free. So okay, it's commercial free. Let's rock and roll. Yada yada yada. The Judgment Day come out, and the Usos are gonna have their tag team title match against the Judgment Day with you know uh, Dominic and Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio and Damian Priest, and they and they did a lot of good work in this. Um, Damian Priest starts off the match, and they, they go over how two weeks ago. Um, I think it was two weeks ago or a week ago. Damien went forty or fifty minutes in that tag team gauntlet, and everybody else. They did a whole angle with Usos. Uh, they did a lot of cool ass spots uh, in this. They did a lot of cool ass spots with um, you know Jimmy and Jay running around. A lot of good tag team spots. Dominic gets in there. They laid some lumber on him. I mean, Jay. Um, uh, who was it? Priest landed a broken uh, broken arrow on Jay. Super kicks. The highlight of the match, though, was Priest does that beautiful senton he does off the ropes, which not too many big guys. I know he's six six. He's very lean, but it's very hard to do that. He does it pretty smoothly. I mean, I mean, they do a spot where Jay goes to the top rope to get a splash. Balor gets caught, and he's throwing, now back in the day I've been in a disqualification, but he got caught, so the ref throws him out of the ring. And throws him out of the match. They do a spot where Jimmy and Jay do the dives. Jimmy does a splat uh, dive, and he collapses, and then he, he smacks his leg, and the ref throws up X. Now the crowd kind of goes, oh, shit. Like, what happened? Jimmy's hurt. So Adam Pierce runs out with a couple guys are taking Jimmy back, and he says, if Jimmy can't go, the Usos have got to forfeit the titles. And Sami Zayn gets on that microphone and says, Sami goes, if Jimmy Uso can't go, Sammy Uso can go. The crowd pops, and he and Adam Pierce goes. If I did this for the Judgment Day, which he did, I could do it for the Raw starting anniversary. Jimmy, Sammy's gonna take place. Sammy gets in there, 
and they get in there and they fucking fire up and they make a little bit of comeback. They do a little bit else. And then they hit the, um, Rhea gets in, uh, they do a spot where Dominic sneaks up behind and gets a two, uh, gets a such a close count. And then Rhea stops Jay on making a comeback, gets in his face. And then Jimmy and uh, Zayn hit the 1D on Dominic, which is the 3D for the win, 1, 2, 3, and they celebrate the tag titles. As you see that in the background, the celebration of Reigns is in the background um, watching it goes, he goes, I don't want to, and they were watching this match, and Reigns goes, he passed tonight. I don't want to see him wrestling that wise man get him out of here. And they leave. So you get the drama leading the Royal Rumble, believe it or not. So next thing we go, we see a backstage chase with JBL and Baron Corbin trying to get in the APA's um, uh, poker game. The Godfather says he's not on the list. Ron Simmons says, hey, man, you know we got a wait list. And Corbin pulls out some $100 bills, and they let him in. And, you know, the old APA thing brings back memories of the old door. They, they can walk around, but they walk through the door. And they walk in, and JBL goes, I really love what you've done with the place. And it's a nice-ass casino now. So the APA's got some money now. It's not cheaper ran down. Then we go back in the ring. We get an egg ring. This is the this is the 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 highlight of the show for everybody, I believe. The in ring segment for with L A Knight. L A Knight comes out there. Let me talk to. He does a spill on the microphone. Blah 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 blah. And he's doing this whole spill. And he says, "Ain't no legend come out here do it." And then all of a sudden, gong. And you're thinking, here comes the goat, aka the Undertaker. The gong goes off and off, and then all of a sudden it cuts off, and then you hear the American Badass song by Kid Rock, and Taker comes out on that motorcycle, and the crowd explodes. He comes out, and Taker gets in the ring. He does his little, throws his hands up. The crowd goes crazy. Nice Harley, by the way, he had. And L.A. Knight stands on the outside. He's talking shit, talking shit to Taker. Taker's standing in the ring, pacing like he does normally. He's waiting for L.A. Knight to get in the ring. Um, he goes, L.A. Knight says, I can take Nate the Undertaker. He goes, I, he said, I can take this moment to send the Undertaker to the Undertaker, which I, I thought was kind of comedy. He says, I'm going to let Undertaker live and see another day. And he goes, I'll let you everybody know what my name is, L.A. Knight. Yeah. And then the lights go out and Rent and Bray Wyatt standing behind him. Bray Wyatt's music hits. He stands behind him with the lantern. He forces, he forces, Bray Wyatt, uh, Bray Wyatt forces Knight to get in the ring. As Knight gets in the ring, Taker he turns around. Taker ghouls him with a choke slam. And I'll say this right when Taker ghouls you with a with his hand around the throat, nobody did that more. I know Big Show was good with that and Kane, but wait, Taker would ghoul you the way he would just lean over and choke you. It was it just it, it, it means something more. Taker does it, and he locks eyes with Bray Wyatt. Obviously, we know Bray Wyatt and Taker have a history. Taker. Takes him, he looks at Bray Wyatt, spins the choke, spins the LA Knight in him. LA Knight catches him, whacks him with the assist, drops him with Sister Abigail. And they're standing there. Taker reaches down, puts his sunglasses, picks his sunglasses up. And he walks over to Bray Wyatt and whispers something to Wyatt's ear, and he leaves. And Taker puts his sunglasses back on, the music hits, he rolls over the ramp, the motorcycle. He looks back at the top of the ramp with his stare down. He lifts his arm up in the air. The thunderbolts go off, letting you know, yeah, I'm the American Bass, but I'm still the dead man. And I sat back and watched that, and actually rewinded and watched it again live. And uh, I was smiling from ear to ear because Taker last night passed the torch to Bray Wyatt. 
he passed the torch to Bray Wyatt, showing you like, hey, it's your time. And his announce and his, what he said, and Taker tweeted what he said in his ear, and I put it on my Instagram post this morning. He put it on his ear. He put it in his ear. Said moments like this define our industry. And Bray, he basically said we just had a moment. Taker's always been in Bray Wyatt's hand. I mean, it was documented after their match in 2015. He told Vince McMahon, take care of Bray Wyatt. He's going to be, you need to keep care of him. And we all know what happened with that. So, this that was a great segment. It brought it back in a lot of nostalgia. It sold you the the Black Pit, uh, the the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match at the Rumble. L.A. Knight works with Taker, gets a run from Taker in, in Bray Wyatt. It's just a good segment. Then we go backstage and we see DDP, Alunda Bray, Alunda, Alunda Bray, Alundra Blaze, a.k.a. Medusa, Corbin, they're playing poker, and DDP beats him in a game of po- poker. Then we get the steel cage match with Becky Lynch and Bailey. And Bailey walks out as her interest, and they go to a commercial break that's side by side. So all the commercials tonight are side by side, so you keep it, uh, eyes on the in ring action. And of course, Becky Lynch comes out. She's got a pop, and before she can get in the cage, Dakota Sky, Dakota Kai, and Neo Sky jump her. They leave her lane, and there's no match. Plain and simple, it, that was a match, and they said what happened was read online that the 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 first the bloodline segment took too long, and they were going to cut some more of the show. And Becky and Bailey says, "Hey, let's get some heat on Bailey. We can go another. We can do this." So it was a smart. It, it, it didn't fit this. It, it, it sucks, but it fits what they were doing. In ring segment, DX comes out next, and the crowd pops. And I realized Kurt Angle's with them. And Road Dog does a standard DX intro, and he says, "I'm about to say it's me, oh me, the D O W G." And he does a taxi jump world. The Road Dog just James and the bat, and he goes, "Kurt Angle." And Kurt goes, "I always wanted to be in DX," and he has a shirt on. So HBK says, "You need to pass the test." And they're going to go through it, and they do a little comedy stick, as Triple H is going to do his already. Imperium comes out, and they come out, call them degenerates, and you you ruin the sport. So it's classic wrestling versus the the attitude era, and I like the idea. So Triple H gets in his face, goes, gets in Gunther's face, I'm retired, and HGK says he's too old. Rodog said he has shin splints. Rodog says, hell no. And that Triple H called him Butterball because rolled up a little weight on. And then DX huddled up and said, Angle was going to find him. Angle says, no, I'm not. And Triple H said, there's, and they do the classic. There's always someone here to fight a premium. And then Seth Rollins comes out. And slams up at eight. And then slant, and then he walks down to the ring. The crowd's over with Rollins' theme. He does his little thing. And then, of course, um, you know, X-Pac to the microphone goes, but Rollins is the only one who can fight. Who can fight? And then the street puppets come out. And then, of course, they do their thing. Their music hits, and they join them in the ring. And then Triple H, it looks Triple H to figure out what happened. And Triple H goes, why is everybody looking at me? This booking thing isn't easy because he runs creative, and everybody starts laughing. I laughed at that. And he goes, if there's only somebody that could help book this. And the first thought of my gun is, my God, if Vince walks out, oh, my God. And it wasn't. Teddy Long came out and made the match. A six-tag team match, player. And it's a media special referee, and Angle goes, guys, I got an idea. And he takes his DX shirt. He's got a red and white and blue striped referee shirt. So I was like, that's a cool, uh, funny segment. And, of course, we get a good match. We get a hell of a six-man tag match with the Street Rollins and the Street Profits against Imperium. Gunther looks strong in this with his abilities. And, of course, 
um, Rollins and the Street Profits win. They get a win. Gunther doesn't take a pinfall, so you save Gunther in this. We go backstage, and you see MVP is doing a, an interview, and MVP walks up to him and, and tries to convince him to, like, join the, give me back, let me hand come out there with him. And, and Lashley said, I didn't need you or Omos' help last week to beat Rollins. I don't need you tonight. I'm going to handle my business against Austin Theory. So they're teasing, they are teasing the, um, they are teasing the Hurt Business possibly working back together, which I'm a fan of. I like that. Also, you see, Jay, before that, we got a backstage poker segment with uh, the APA and Corbin. They, with Bradshaw and Corbin, they win this poker hand, and then IRS and Ted DiBiase walk up and said, you better pay your taxes. Ted DiBiase got the million-dollar bonus, so he goes, everybody's got a price for a million-dollar man. Ha, 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 ha. Good little segment. Then Ric Flair walks out, and he comes out. He does his spiel like he always does. And he says, now nah, I'm going to introduce you to the greatest women's champion in the history of WWE, his daughter, Charlotte Flair. And I agree with that. Charlotte comes out, says she's a SmackDown Women's Champion, but she really made her statement here on Raw. And she, Bianca Belair comes out, and they're, they're Charlotte's the baby face, and I'm thinking, okay, are we teasing some of them? And Bianca Belair comes out, and she says, I respect you, Charlotte, but this is my show now. And Charlotte acknowledges, like, all right, whatever. And then Sonya Deville comes out and complains about not getting her recognition and everything else. And then, of course, but Flair gets on the mic and says, well, hell, if you don't, if you don't, if you if you want recognition, why don't you fight, uh, why don't you fight Belair? And Belair's happy about it. And she goes, come on in the ring. And Deville didn't really look like it. So, all right, whatever. So Sonya and them get into the match, and it was a solid match. Sonya showed a lot, but out of nowhere, Bianca hits the KOD for the win, one, two, three. It's like, okay, you're putting Sonya in a situation where she's going to fight, she's going to do this and that, and then that happens. I don't I don't get it. So Bianca gets on the mac- microphone. She goes, grab goes, don't you forget. She says, I didn't forget about you, Alexa Bliss, and blah, 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 blah. He said, you can bring Bray Wyatt. Uncle Howie does not matter. And Bianca, and Bliss shows up here on this Tron telling her that she only needs to worry about her. And Briss promises to leave Bianca's eyes attached after she rips her face open and becomes the Raw Women's Champion. And Bliss is talking into a mirror as she's saying this. So a nice little segment. In-ring segment with the Miz after that come back from break. Miz comes out, says, I'm not on the show. This is bullshit, blah, 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 blah. Kevin Owens comes to the crowd, hits the stunner, and he says, Roman, you've been holding that title hostage for over two years. I'm taking that title. I'm going to die trying. I promise the people, blah, blah. Good baby face promo. He, the mic, he, Miz gets his feet. Owens comes again. He leaves the ring. So, nice little segment. Main event time, no disqualification match, United States Championship match, Austin Theory versus Bobby Lashley. And we all knew something was going to happen at the end. And the match is going well, and Brock Lesnar comes out. He costs Lashley the match. He Lashley spines Buster Theory through a table. They're both laying. Brock comes out. He power walks the ring. He F5s Lashley and picks Theory up. F5s Theory on the Lashley referee counts to three. And that's how the show ends. So overall, this was a damn good uh, Monday, one of the better Monday Night Raw episodes I've seen in recent memory. On an A to F schedule, I'm going to give this a solid A because I feel like some things I would like to see more matches worked. I know the segments were worked, but I saw a lot of cool things. So I'm going to give it a solid A. A solid A. Uh, now let's talk about the Royal Rumble. And I'm going to pull up the Royal Rumble match card for you guys. 
Also, we saw the Cody Rhodes package in the middle of the show too. We saw the Cody Rhodes package, the promo. He's coming back for the uh, obviously he's coming back for the uh, the Royal Rumble. And here's what we got coming up. So obviously the the Royal Rumble is going to be in, it's going to be the third time it's going to be in, it, the fourth time it's going to be in San Antonio, but the third time it's going to be in the Alamo Dome. And here we go. Let's see the results. I mean matches. Obviously we got the men's and women's Royal Rumble. The winner obviously gets a world title match at uh, a, win, a a world title match at Mania 39. We got Bray Wyatt versus LA Knight in the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match. Roman versus Owens for the world titles. And Bianca versus Alexa Bliss. So five matches. So far for Raw, we had for the men's run, we have 15 announced and entrance. 15 announced and we got seven for the women. Now here's the thing. Obviously, you're gonna get more people involved in this, but I will let you know this right here, right now. There's a lot of rumors about the rumble. A little quick preview here before I close the show. There's a lot of rumors about the rumble, what's gonna happen. What's gonna happen? How are they gonna do this? What's gonna ha- what are they gonna do? Blah 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 blah. Here's my taking for the whole thing. The rumor is that The Rock was going to wrestle Roman in Mania, and now they're saying Roman's not. That Rock's not. They said, well, Steve, they're offered Stone Cold some money. Here's the thing, guys. Everybody thinks Cody's going to Rhodes going to win this role. Now, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But here's the thing. They've been previewing Cody coming back to win that world title for how long now? It might be too much too soon, guys. From me coming back off an injury. Some tells me that poster is the electricity, the electric around the poster, the poster Royal Rumble is very electrifying. It teases you that the rocks come back. If you remember the Extreme Rules, I'm gonna say why. Remember the Extreme Rules poster this past year? Well, a year ago with Ronda Rousey. In the background, you saw a lantern in the background of that. It teased Bray Wyatt coming back. Something's telling me the rock or some big return is gonna happen. That big return is gonna win the rumble, probably. Either way, I'm looking forward to the Royal Rumble more than I was. I went to the Rumble last year, obviously, in St. Louis. I'm looking forward to the Rumble. I can't wait to watch it. I'm I'm going to watch it with my stepson. We're gonna, I got some. I got my boy Trip coming over. I've got some chicken wings in the freezer. I'm going to cook them fucking chicken wings this weekend for them. I am so excited for the Royal Rumble. It's my outside of, this is, outside of me, it's my favorite event of the year. It's a tip-off to the beginning of the year like I always like. So either way, guys, we're going to see what happens. But until then, this has been a hell of a show for you guys. I'm glad I was able to give it to you. And just remember one key thing. I don't bullshit. I just tell it like it is. Straight up. Have a good one, y'all.